I'd like you to join me there for a few musings this morning. Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading from the New English translation, not the English Standard Version, but the New English Translation. So they can't put it up on the screen, but I think that you'll find that this is quite similar to your New King James and your English Standard and, you know, NIV if you're reading that. You'll be able to follow along, but I I just found such clarity in this as I was using it and checking it. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 4 of Mark, Again, he began to teach by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the lake and sat there while the whole crowd was on the shore by the lake. And he taught them many things in parables. I Think of this setting. There's such a crowd, he has to get in a boat and get out on the lake. Now think of that. No electricity, no sound systems, no microphones, no speakers. The crowd is so massive, he can't stand on the shore and talk to them. He has to get in a boat. That's a big crowd. But that's a big voice. I mean, that's a big, wow. I mean, wow, how do you... Don't give it away. No, no, not really. He taught them many things in parables, verse 2, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up at once, because uh, the soil was not deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and because it did not have sufficient root, it withered. Other seed fell among the thorns, and they grew up and choked it. And it did not produce grain, but other seed fell on good soil, and it produced grain, sprouting and growing. Some yielded 30 times as much, some 60, and some 100 times. Verse 9, and he said... Whoever has ears to hear, better listen. The Aramaic translation, of which is the original language you know that Jesus spoke in, says this. And he said that one who brings a hearing ear for himself will hear. So in other words, the way the kingdom works, the way this whole parable that he's sharing with us of seed and sower works is that I have to be intentional about hearing. Are you intentional about hearing God. God never speaks to me. I I don't know what his voice sounds like. You know, I'm not sure what the Lord wants me to do. You know, I hear things like that all the time. Let me ask you a question. 
do you stop, listen, and be intentional about hearing? Or is it about praying and worshiping and talking and telling the Lord and asking for? And I wonder what it would be like if we got in the presence of the Lord just alone with Jesus and said nothing, zero. Didn't turn on our favorite song, didn't quote any scriptures, didn't ask, didn't bring out our get out our prayer list, didn't do any of that, just sat and contemplatively listened. What would that be like? In verses 10 through 13, he explains the purpose of parables. This is interesting. Verse 10. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. So after he got done teaching in a private time, not only with his twelve disciples, but with others who were around, a, a, a company who were being intentional about their relationship, asked him, about the parables. Look at verse 11. And he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now stop. Some of your translations use the word mystery. Now, secret used here, and Paul used it also in 1 Corinthians, talking about the verbal gifts speaking in tongues and prophesying. The word secret is unlike our Western use. Our Western use of this word secret is knowledge hidden or to keep knowledge back, to hide it from you. If I tell you a secret, I'm hiding, or if I tell, ask you to keep a secret, I'm asking you to keep certain knowledge. If I am holding a secret from you, I'm being sure you do not know certain knowledge. But this is not the meaning of this Greek word for mystery or secret that Jesus uses here. Again, he says, the secret or the mystery of the kingdom has, past tense, been given to you. Those of you that are right here with me right now, the 12 and a certain bunch of others, it doesn't specify who, but not the crowd. Dear ones, it's never about the crowd. Jesus is never fascinated by the crowd. He's fascinated by those who will be intentional. And he says, the kingdom, the secret, the mystery of the kingdom has been given to you. Now, that word secret that he used means knowledge revealed, revelation, God's heart explained. Wow. God is always uncovering himself for us. He always speaks. He's always increasing. God is always about increase and multiplying. He never holds back. He never stops talking to us. He never withholds. He never, and, and that's not the God that I learned about. The God I learned about withholds himself, especially if I do anything wrong. 
You know, if, if I make a misstep, God pulls back and he sort of hides and he, he waits for me to correct my behavior and to, and to be ashamed and feel guilty and tell him I'm sorry and then he'll renew the relationship. God, the Father here that Jesus is talking about, never does that. And then we have a very difficult verse, verse 12. I'll finish verse 11. But to those outside, everything is in parables. So that although they look, they may look but not see. And although they hear, they may hear but not understand. So they may not repent and be forgiven. (laughs) Really? Jesus, you mean you're picking out people to keep yourself from? Not share your heart with? And who actually you don't want to be forgiven? You're going to actually blind their eyes? You're going to stop their ears? That's how I used to read this. And the only explanation for it then was, well, you just have to trust God. God is God. God can do whatever he wants to. I am so tired of that aspect of the sovereignty of God teaching. Really, uh, I am. It's so misleading. To tell people God loves them. To quote 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. And yet, share a passage like this and explain it with, well, I don't understand it, but you know, God's kind of schizophrenic. At one moment he loves you, but at another time he'll withhold himself from you. In fact, he'll even blind your ears, shut your eyes, lest you would turn, repent, and be forgiven. He doesn't want you to be forgiven. And I thought, Lord, I I know your character. I know your love. Here we are going into Easter week, talking about your resurrection and how you reconciled all men to yourself. Surely that, that old religious understanding of verse 12 can't be right. So I looked it up in a number of different translations. And listen to how the message translation translates verse 12. I quote, But to those who can't see it yet, everything's co- everything comes in stories, creating readiness, nudging them toward receptive insight. These are people whose eyes are open, but they don't see a thing. Whose ears are open, but they don't understand a word. Who avoid making an about face and getting forgiven. And the Holy Spirit said, do you see it? And I said, well, that helped. (laughs) That helped. He said, well, go back to the passage that Jesus was quoting. He was quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, 9, and 10. So I did, and I read it. And I found out something interesting, that even that Old Testament passage that Jesus quotes here in verse 12, Isaiah 6, verses 8 through 11, he uses in the contextual language of that these words, how long and until indicating time, not eternity, a season. And I said, Lord, I see it. The message says, but to those who can't see it yet, 
everything comes in stories, creating readiness, nudging them toward, yes, God, I see it. It's not that you set people aside and judge them and put them in a place where they'll never be able to see, never be able to understand. It's that without being intentional to hear, we don't want to hear. Without being intentional to see, we don't want to see. And Isaiah said, until this happens and changes, how long, the prophet asks? God says, until. How long is your neighbor going to stay in darkness? Well, until there's some more nudging, some more events, some more drawing of the Holy Spirit. But God never gives up on anybody. Are you listening to me? How long is that family member going to reject Christ? Well, I know right now it's dark. I know right now it's, it seems so discouraging, like it will never change. But know that the Holy Spirit, how long, Lord? Until the Holy Spirit's working with them. It's going to change. He's nudging them. Their eyes won't stay blinded forever. Their ears will open. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now that I understand because that is your goodness and your love. Just some musings. Just some thoughts. Verse 13. He said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? Oh my. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? This parable unlocks all the others. What Jesus is saying in this one unlocks all the others. Is it any wonder then in verse 9 he says, You better listen. <laughs> you better take this serious. Let's keep reading. Verse 14, the sower, so we go, he explains the parable now. The sower sows the word. And by the way, every time you see the word here, would you say it out loud with me? Real loud. Okay, don't be embarrassed. Real loud. The sower sows the word. Verse 15, these are the ones on the path where the word is sown. Whenever they hear, immediately Satan comes and snatches the word that was sown in them. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. As soon as they hear the word, they receive it with joy. Verse 17. But they have no root in themselves and do not endure. Then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they fall away. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But worldly cares and seductiveness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it produces nothing. Verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good soil. They hear the word and receive it and bear fruit. One thirty times as much, one sixty, and one a hundredfold. And I thought, Lord, you're trying to say something here. And apparently whatever this is, this principle you're trying to help me, this musing, this, this contemplative, just being patient in your presence, understanding of this parable is going to unlock all the other parables that you ever spoke. Wow. 
he proceeds now and gives us three more parables in verses 14 through 20. I submit to you that it's all about hearing. That, that what we just read, excuse me, the verse, verses 14 through 20 are the ex- explanation of the parable. And in the next verses that we're going to read are three more parables. And all of them have to do, interesting, with hearing. The parable of the sower does not conclude time or the application of it. It simply presents a process. So, listen, you might be all four of these types of soil in any given day. This isn't locking people into settings where, oh, well, you know, they heard the word, but Satan came and immediately stole it, and so now, you know, they don't have any hope. They'll never be a Christian. They'll never know God. I used to think that way, you know. I, I saw these as jars with labels to be, you know, stick people in, you know. Here's the first kind of soil. Here's the second kind of soil. Here's the third kind of soil. All of you miss out. You know, all of you first three miss out. But the good soil, you know, they're the ones that are blessed. God said, no, I didn't say that. I didn't come to those conclusions here. This is about hearing. And then he said this to me. Even the thief on the cross adjusted his eternal destiny in a moment of perception And acknowledging the truth. Bam! Like that. His whole destiny was changed. Bam! Like that. Do you know you can be sitting in your car at a stop sign. Having, I mean, an excruciatingly bad day. But if you just keep hearing. If you just keep tuned. If you keep trusting. If you know that God loves you. In a second, he can give you a word. He can can, uh, illuminate to your heart a seed of his presence and his love and completely flip that thing around right now. I thought, God, that's amazing. Because I get myself into a lot of different circumstances. I have times during the week where I feel like God's gone. I I need to go worship for an hour. I need to read several chapters in the Bible. I need to, you know. And God says, now wait a minute, where'd you get that? Well, Lord, the, the word that was sown was stolen. And then I've let cares and riches and unintentional things of this world steal the word. And I'm just a basket case. And he says, now wait a minute. The soil of your heart can receive seed any moment. These aren't conclusions. These are things that go on constantly all day long within each one of us when we have a listening ear. And that's why I said, you listen. Look at the next parable. It's called the parable of the lamp. Verse 21, he said to them, a lamp isn't brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it? Isn't it to be placed on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, and nothing concealed except to be brought to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. 
Isn't that interesting? Verse, verse 24, and he said to them, take care what you hear. The measure you use will be the measure you receive, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. What's he talking about? Ears to hear. He starts talking about a lamp, and he winds up talking again about hearing. What's he saying? God is not hiding his revelation from you. He's not hiding his heart from you. Like a lamp, God is light, right? He puts himself in our life on a lampstand and he wants to illuminate everything that's going on in your life. Every circumstance, God wants to illuminate. Everything that's going on in our lives, God climbs into that with us and he illuminates it with his love. It just requires us to hear. What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying? He who has ears to hear, hear. Look at verse 26. He also said the kingdom of God is like someone who spreads seed on the ground. He goes to sleep, he gets up night and day, and the seed sprouts and it grows, though he does not know how. How many of you have told the Lord ever, you know, I'm just kind of eking this thing. I don't know how, eking this life out, eking this walk out. I'm not sure how this is all working. I don't understand it. And the Bible says that's kind of where you need to be, you know. Verse 28, by itself the soil produces a crop. Would you all repeat that? By itself the soil produces a crop. Once more, by itself the soil produces a crop. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full grain in the head. And when the grain is ripe, he sends in the sickle because the harvest has come. And notice, it's not about doing. It's just about hearing. The soil will produce on its own. You don't do anything. It says here, this guy goes to sleep, gets up the next day, and the soil has produced. The soil of what? He's talking about your heart and the seed that goes in to your heart. You see, it's about hearing, not doing. It's far more important to listen than to do. Next time you grab your Bible and you're headed for devotions, you know, and you're feeling just kind of this weight, you know, you've got to catch up because you missed a couple of days, you know. Have you ever done that? You miss a couple of days in your reading, and so now you've got to catch up. So you realize, not only do I have to read Monday, but I have to read Tuesday, and then I have to read today's. So now, I have, you know, in my daily reading, and so it begins to become a heaviness, and then you start praying, you know, after you've read and your time's almost gone, and you start praying, and you can't think of anything to pray, and there's heaviness, and, and it's like... Is that God? Is that what he meant our devotional life to be like? And you know what that is? That's a work. That's religion. That's legalism. That's not understanding the character of God. God would have that you had set your Bible down. Listen to me now because I don't want you to go out, here and say, go out of here and say that I said something that I didn't say and didn't mean. God would have in that situation and with that limited amount of time and you being in that kind of attitude would have that you had just set your Bible down, forget about trying to catch up with your daily reading, sat in his presence and said, here I am, Lord. Talk to me. Just talk to me. 
By the way, do you know there's other ways to listen to the word of God and get the word of God into you, into you, than reading it from your Bible? By the way, faith does not come by reading. Shut up. No, faith does not come by reading. It comes by hearing. Buy the Bible on disc. Put it in your car. Get it on a flash drive. I had somebody come to me a couple of months ago. I mean, life just was not going well. It, it, things were, you know, a mess. And they were so deeply discouraged. And, you know, they weren't hearing from God. And they were struggling with battles and so forth. And the Holy Spirit just said, tell them what you do at night to get the word. And so I instructed this person, look, go out to this website Subscribe to this individual's podcast on your phone. Take your phone, log into the podcast when you get ready to go to bed, and stick your phone under your pillow. Click play and start playing one of the sermons from this person. It will come through your pillow. You'll be able to hear it clearly. And your spouse won't be able to hear it playing. It's under your pillow. It's just shooting through the pillow and you'll be able to hear it perfectly. This individual came back to me within about a, a week, maybe 10 days at the most, and said, you, you've got to hear something. <laughs> my life is completely turned around. My circumstances, you know, some of them aren't any better, but I'm different. I'm handling it different. I've got my joy back. Praise his return. Heaviness lifted. And I said, praise God. <laughs> Faith does not come by reading. They didn't even have a Bible back then to read. Faith comes by hearing, by oral discourse. That's why you shouldn't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. So that you can hear. Look at verse 30, the parable of the mustard seed. He also asked, to what can we compare the kingdom of God? All right, what, what is the kingdom, by the way? When we say kingdom of God, what do we mean? All right, let's go back to the prayer. I have to stand up. I'm sorry. I just, I try to sit down and I get excited. Uh, Jesus taught us to pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is anywhere or anyone in which his will is being done and expressed. That's his kingdom. Okay. Now there is a physical kingdom of God that's going to be revealed and it's coming and that we're going to be part of physically. But I'm talking about right now in this present time, we are all part, not only part of the kingdom, but the kingdom's within us. All right, now with that, he said, to what can we compare my will being done on earth? What parable could we use to present it? Verse 31. It is like a mustard seed that when sown in the ground, even though it's the smallest of all seeds in the ground, when it is sown, it grows up. It becomes the greatest of all garden plants and grows large branches so that the wild birds can nest in its shade. Verse 33. So with many parables like these, he spoke the word to them and they were able to hear. 
Why? Because he spoke it to them in a way that they could understand it using stories, but also because he taught them to be intentional with what they were hearing. It wasn't as important to break out the Torah and study the scriptures, all right, which is what the religious leaders did, and still they didn't know God, still they didn't hear. It was more important to focus on Jesus and listen to what he's saying. Because Jesus is the word. Dear ones, the earth, which is your heart, self-produces because the creative process occurs when the seed meets the soil. The minute you hear a promise that hits your heart, your heart starts working on it to bring it to pass. The minute you hear God's word spoken to you, whether it's the written word being read or preached or the Holy Spirit saying something to you. The minute you hear that, your heart takes that and it starts working on it to bring it to pass. The soil produces of its own. You can go to sleep. The soil. Why do you think this individual was delivered after just taking their, their cell phone, tuning into a podcast where I knew this, this preacher was going to preach the word? That's why I had them tune into it. And they stick it under their pillow night after night. And after a week, everything's turned around. How is that possible? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not, it's not reading the Bible. It's perceiving the Bible. It's not reading scriptures that changes your life. It's perceiving and understanding the heart of the Father to give to you, to bless you, to favor you, to prosper you, to bring you into greatness, to turn your circumstances around. He's always revealing himself. He's always talking to us. He's always doing something fantastic in my life. Guess what? You're the only one who can control the seed choice. The earth will produce on its own. There's power in the soil to produce. You control what gets planted. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Could, could we real quick, uh, would you play that? I want to show you something. You don't even need to turn the lights out. I want you to see how many of you identify with this. Go ahead. I can't take anymore. <laughs> Do you know how many of you were tapping your foot? And some of you were tapping off beat. You know, that's a sign of being backslidden, by the way. When, when you tap off beat, that's how you know somebody's backslidden. But how many of you learned that in Sunday school? Oh, 
be careful. Did you hear the theology of it? Be careful what you're seeing. Be careful what you're hearing. Because your father up above. (laughs) Now, he's watching in love, it says. But you and I know. We can't interpret love that way when he's watching just to catch us saying something wrong or hearing something wrong or doing something wrong. It's such bad theology, but it's a cute little rhyme. And Jesus meant it. We need to be careful what goes in because in the same way that you can put the word of God on your iPod or your phone, your device, under your pillow and have it completely change your life, The reverse of that is true if what you're constantly listening and hearing is doubt and unbelief and pessimism and it won't work and you're not enough and you have to improve and you ought to be somebody different and God doesn't like that about you and so forth. When you're constantly hearing that mess, it produces worry and faith for evil. It produces faith for that thing. It's kind of a reverse twisted, distorted faith for. So Jesus said, watch what you hear. Increase in this realm of the kingdom, increase in your life is always a result of use. Here's the principle. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. How many of you have ever heard that? I mean, that's even a secular use it or Come on, everybody. Use it or that's the saying, even in the secular world. But actually, that's a spiritual principle. Jesus said that if we are attentive and we're intentional about hearing, we'll even get more. But if you just sit back and kind of let life happen to you, and you just let Scripture happen to you, and you just let the promises happen to you, and you just kind of let, and you don't, you're not intentional about listening and hearing to God, even what you have, it's, it's going to deplete. It's not going to be enough. Now, listen to this. The Holy Spirit said to me, even the prodigal experienced increase. And I thought, wow. Lord, the prodigal, you mean Luke 15, the prodigal son that left his father's house, wasted all of his earnings and all of his inheritance on riotous living? He increased? God said, yeah, look how when he got home, the father restored everything he had and gave him even more. Gave him a robe, gave him a ring, threw a party for him, killed the fatted calf. Dear ones, you can't go wrong. Even when you mess up. I mean, if you just blow it bad and you've made mistakes and you've sinned and you've really done some gross things this past week, God says, I'm bigger than all of that. Come on back. Let me put you back in that place of favor and restoration. And I thought, wow, God, you always want what's good. You always are blessing. You always are encouraging. You're always... And he said to me, you know, Jeff, proximity determines perception and understanding. So how about just spend time with me and I'll explain, just like I did to the disciples. I'll always explain. You know, he called the Holy Spirit the Comforter. He called the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one who would teach us all things. 
and remind us of what the Savior had said. You know what? Grace wins in this message that I'm trying, these musings I'm trying to share with you this morning. Grace wins. Listen, God never throws people away with judgments and conclusions. The only conclusion the Father has made is Jesus. And he concluded, all men have died in him, therefore all men are resurrected. Now watch this and we'll, we'll, we'll end. Look, verse 35, famous passage, you all know it. On that day, so the same day he had done all this teaching and sharing these parables, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to mark this, even if you just do it mentally. Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So after leaving the crowd, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. And I've never seen this before. And other boats were with him. I thought it was a single boat. I just thought it was him and the 12 disciples in a boat. But apparently there was like an entourage. There was like a whole, I don't know how many, it doesn't say, but there were boats. A boatilla. What? A flotilla? Oh, sorry. I'm not a very wise man. Verse 37. Now a great windstorm developed and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was nearly swamped. But what about the other boats, by the way? Were were they getting... All right. So, but he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Really? (laughs) Jesus, hello? They woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? The Aramaic translation says, I love this, Our chief, are you not upset that we are disappearing? (laughs) He just spent the whole day teaching and preaching from a boat, giving them parable after parable after parable about how the kingdom, God's presence, actually lives in them and it will increase. His favor, his blessing, his goodness will increase if they'll just listen to what he said. He's just spent the entire day telling them how important it is to hear and just trust and that your heart, once it hears that word, your heart will start producing right away. It'll start grabbing that promise and bringing it into your future where you can, like the thief on the cross, change your entire destiny. By just responding to one word that God says. By realizing, having a revelation, the thief on the cross never read the scripture. He never went to Jewish temple. He didn't know God. And hanging on the cross, he had a moment in the presence of the Son of God. Seeing Jesus crucified and bleeding and battered. He had a revelation. He he perceived his eyes were opened in a second. And he said, God... Would you acknowledge me? Would you be merciful to me? Jesus said, this day, you're going to be with me in paradise. His entire destiny flipped on a word. 
a seed that went into his heart. How about you? So Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and it stopped. He said, be quiet, calm down. <laughs> People have a problem with the way I talk to my dogs, you know. Not, not that I'm mean, but I, I mean, we, we treat our dogs like human beings. They, they sleep with us in bed. We, we, when we feed them, we talk to them. We get out on the floor. We play with them. We talk to them. And we, we've never, like, formally trained them. I mean, we've trained them to knock on some bells on the door, you know, to tell us they want to go out. But they understand so many things because we just, like, expect that they understand our words and our tonal inflections and so forth. They've never been to school and yet they respond to us. And it's like Jesus just talks to the wind, an inanimate object, a life-giving force. He just talks to us, look, be quiet, calm down. <laughs> and it stops. Now watch what happens. Verse 40, and he said to them, why are you cowardly? Do you still not have faith? And they were overwhelmed by fear and said to one another, Who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Why did he call them cowards? Why did he rebuke them? I heard this preach just recently. And the, and, and the preacher who talked about it said, Well, God expected them to use their faith to stop the storm. I don't know. Does God always have to deliver you from for it to be a blessing? Does God always have to take you out for it to be a miracle of his will? What if he chooses to take you through? Could that be God too? <laughs> he didn't rebuke them because they didn't have faith to calm the wind, he rebuked them because they did not hear. After he had spent a whole day teaching them about the importance of hearing, they didn't listen to verse 35. Of course, that wasn't written at the time, but look at it again, verse 35. Let's go across to the other side. The Aramaic says, in the twilight, we will pass across. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a statement of the creator of the universe regarding his will on earth. In the twilight, we will cross. And they heard that and just dismissed it. In one ear and out the other. Had they heard it, kept it, treasured it, rested in it, and trusted, they would have known, well, he'll take care of the storm. I don't know how, it looks like the boat's sinking. But somehow we're going to get across. Let him sleep. Let him sleep. He's been ministering all day. Do you know how tiring that is? Let him sleep. We'll get across. How do you know? Because the creator of the universe said in the twilight, we will go across. What's going on in your life right now? Are you having any twilights? Is there any darkness? Is there any stuff going on right now that it looks like your shimp, shimp, shimp? Shimp? Would that be 
a combination of ship and shrimp? See, I'm, on the, I'm out on that boat. I'm catching shrimp right now. Are there things in your life where your ship is sinking? Apparently, it just looks like it. And God's word says, I will provide. I will take you there. I will see you through. I never suffer the righteous to be forsaken or their seed begging bread. No, that is not how your child is going to turn out. No, you are not going to lose your home. No, you are not going to lose your business. No, that is not the only kind of car you are stuck driving for the rest of your... No, I love you. I'm all about you. I've heard your heart. I want to bless you. Listen intentively. Tune in. Be intentional about listening to my word. Especially when you're in the storm. Quit praying that he take you out. Start trusting that he'll take you through. I'm sorry. I meant to just muse. I just wanted to muse for a while. We're done.